0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips.
1: Good afternoon, gentlemen, to Everyman BJJ podcast. Sunday, coming a little earlier, but uh, we're making it happen. Welcome to the podcast, Kevin, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm Thank doing, you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. We got our old friend Kevin Ross, and I go back a few years. He was fighting at the time for Lion Fight, and of course, he's been a big name in um, in Muay Thai. And uh, you know, long career, Kevin. It's hard to believe we were. You know, you're you're 40 years old. You kind of have a boyishness <laughs> to you. You know, tell me, tell me, as a guy who's north of 40, Noah's north of 40. Tell me a little bit about you know, how it feels, I guess, to be, are you 40 this year or are you, are you already 40?
2: Yeah, I turned 40 um, July. Uh, I don't even know what month we're in anymore, but yeah, I'm 40 already.
0: So knock, knocking on the door, how, how do you feel overall? What What did you, when you were, many years ago, what did you think 40 would look like? And now getting ready to knock on the door, what is, what is, what is you know, 39 plus look like? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think I have a a unique perspective because I never thought I'd see 20, let alone 40. Um, So I always take everything day by day and uh, I'm just happy to still be alive and breathing. You know, I I, when it comes to fighting and stuff, I I did start when I was 23. So I didn't really have those young years, you know, teenage years or or preteen years where everything felt great and you could go out partying all night and get into training the next day. You know, I was already like old uh, by the first day I started in the gym. So I don't really have that, that perspective of what it used to be like and what it is now. Um, But overall I feel pretty good considering what I've been doing the last 40 years of my life.
0: (laughs) Now you told me years ago, I wrote a story. You told me about starting uh, Muay Thai at age 23 now for people out there because you know we do this for a general audience not just for die-hard fight fans we do it for a general audience as well who might be new uh-huh. to martial arts I, wa- I want to put this in perspective 23 okay. for someone who wants to be a pro fighter UFC Muay Thai um, you know mm-hmm. 23 is very late in the game I mean that's 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 yeah. extraordinary um, you know if you if somebody just wants to start start jiu-jitsu i didn't start jiu-jitsu till i was almost 30 so that's you know somebody doing it even if they wanted to compete in some of the grappling sports that is late in the game what was the impetus for you at 23 to start to start training and then to fall in love with it
1: well
2: i think i recognized how much of my life i had wasted with all of those doubts and fears about being too old to start and not being strong enough, not being confident enough, you know, all those reasons. So by me starting at 23, I, I, I really view it as a positive thing because I was already so focused and dialed in. I didn't deal with all those years of, well, I'm kind of doing this, but I'm also doing this and that and the other. And I'm hanging out with my friends and going out with girls and, you know, school and all these other things. So it was, it was, I got all these years to make up for all, like, cause I learned about Muay Thai when I was 14 and I didn't, it took me almost 10 years to finally get up the courage to go and, and try it out. So, um, I was, I was, I've always felt like I've been playing catch up and making up for wasted time. Um, so for me, starting later was actually beneficial.
0: Yeah, I, I think for a lot of people out there, one of the hardest things is to pick something to be all in on, like to pick something yeah. less, like, hey, this is my plan A and to really go all in, to really be committed. What what was it about this that let you know, hey, this is this is my plan A, I'm all in on this. What was it about you know, Muay Thai in particular that let you know that this is what I need to bet my, my chips on?
2: Well, it was it was really just that thing. As I said, I I learned about the sport uh, when I was 14 going on 15. Um, And it was always in the back of my mind, like I I always wanted to fight, I always wanted to pursue this thing. But as I said, I, 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 I allowed all of my doubts and fears keep me from going after it. So It was one of those things where, I mean, that was also part of the reason it took me so long to start is I knew that if I was going to do it, I'm going to I'm going to go all the way or nothing at all. I've always been that kind of person. And um, unfortunately, that works in both directions with negative things and positive things. So when I was drinking and partying and wasting my life away, I was I was all committed to doing that. Um, So when when I had these ideas and dreams of fighting, it was you're going to have to give up every other aspect of your life in order to do this because you have to stay focused uh, and driven to this art. And that's what took me so long is I just wasn't ready to make the sacrifice. And so once I finally did, it was it was all or nothing. It wasn't really about where it was going to take me, where I'd end up, if I was going to be good, you know, all those things are, I, I think those are all kind of outwardly, uh, ego driven reasons to do things. It was really about seeing how good I could be as a person, as a fighter, not necessarily if I could be the best in the world, although that like being the best and you can be at anything is, is, is my goal, but not thinking I could ever do that was what allowed me to not start for so long because I was like, well, I could, I'm never going to make it there anyway, but you never know how far you can make it until you actually do it.
0: So the fear wasn't in being, a lot of people out there would be afraid to be punched in the face or regularly punched in the face. The fear for you was never physical. It was more, gosh, I'm going to have to sacrifice a lot for that. Or could I really ever be that good? It wasn't a fear of being punched.
2: Yeah. So it was um, the fear of, of sacrifice and the fear of what if I don't make it? You know, What if I'm not any good. What if all these doubts I have are, are, are real, you know, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not strong enough to do this. I'm not confident enough to do this. All these other um, excuses I was giving myself. So those, those were just weighing on me like they do most people, you know, they, they, they sit at the starting line because they're too afraid to see what might happen. I might fail, but you're not going to know unless you go for it. And what I what I learned was you're guaranteed to fail if you never try. And at least if you go forward and do it, at least you know the answer.
0: When you were a teenager you had this fascination from afar with fighting, and you thought, man, yeah. I would really like to do that, and you had the fear, do you think that part of that attraction do you think part of that attraction was If I got into fighting, if I got into something like that, it would help to heal me. It would force me to become a better man. It would force me to kind of get my life together. Do you think that that was part of the gravitation toward fighting?
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I knew at least subconsciously that that was part of it. And, you know, I think that's why I probably resisted it for so long, because I knew um, it was gonna, well, it was going to be difficult, but it was also going to be, you know, I was not going to be able to allow myself to like, sit in defeat and, and depression and alcoholism. And it's so easy to just let the world weigh you down, because we all have reasons to do that. And, and part of that is just, it's almost comfortable it's 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 easy to quit it's easy not to do anything it's it's easy setbacks uh, give us a reason not to try and the more you do that the harder it is to turn it around um so so yeah all those things played a role
0: now one of the things you know i've interviewed um i was a journalist in news newspapers and tv before and then of course worked at ultimate fighting championship and then i did some stuff after that with fighters and fight organizations and I've interviewed the who's who of fighters. In MMA, I've, I've interviewed him in boxing, I've interviewed him in Muay Thai. And I have to say yeah. that among all that I've interviewed, you stand out as among the most candid, among the most raw, among the most open books, like wearing your heart on your sleeve. You come to mind, Jens Pulver comes to mind, Jason Reinhardt comes to mind, yeah. just total open book. And then on top of that, You have the powers of articulation. There are some people that are open. It's just that language isn't their vehicle to express that openness, right? Most fighters are more of are far more transparent and of an open book than you know the general population by far. But that's something that's always you know. But 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 also what I what I detected in you, Kevin, following your career, having interviewed you a number of times is. There is an amazing humility about you. I think that that's why like you don't strike me. You have never struck me as someone who is in this to get famous or make a lot of money. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's nothing wrong with the fighters that want a pot of gold Not at the at end of the rainbow for all the damage, but that's that's something that's always been fascinating. You seem to be someone who has been driven mainly by the purity And there's a humility there, even after big wins. This is Kevin Ross. This is Kevin Ross after a big win. I mean, if you had just had a big win, your your personality is very similar. Talk to me about the humility, about the purity, and about that transparency, because those are really, uh, you know, you're really extraordinary in in, in those ways.
1: Oh, I
2: I appreciate those words. Um, I... It's always like most things. It's a progressive thing. I, I, I mean, to a degree, I, I'm, I've always been this way, um, to an extent. But I think through fighting and through uh, training and the trials and tribulations that come, that comes with, um, you kind of, you see that you have two choices to make. You can either take this and be a very egocentric driven outwardly uh, motivated person or, or the opposite and i was i was fortunate when i was starting out that the kind of two head guys the two main fighters at our gym were were polar opposites when it comes to that one was very very humble quiet very thai like you know not unassuming friendly and the other one was very much like the american uh uh Ego-driven, loud uh, person, and and what I what that just showed me and instilled in me is that you can be this champion, amazing fighter, but it doesn't have to make you this other person. You know, you can you can still be uh, respectful, and you can still be humble, um, and, and it, like one doesn't have to be the other. And that, and I think a lot of fighters tend to feel like you're supposed to be this certain way. Like a lot of people will look at the Mayweathers and the McGregors and they say, well, they did it and they look where they got to. So that's how you're supposed to be. And, um, you know, I think there's a there's a place for that. There's a place for everybody's personality type and style type. And what I try to instill in people is you don't need to pretend to be something that you're not. If you are that way, you can kind of lean into it and, and be that way a little bit more. There's actually a conversation myself and Joe Schilling had about, geez, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, I was like, do you just have to be a dick all the time? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm like, well, if, I feel like you're, you're, I mean, like, I know, like, if you don't like someone, you know, be, be honest about that, but I feel like you're, 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 kind of like you're supposed to be this way and then, then the fans think you're supposed to be this way so even when you don't feel that way you're putting on this show and I'm like you just don't want to get lost in it but then he started going the other direction I was like no don't do that either because you are kind of an asshole but be an asshole but just just be you just be who you are um, I think that fighting and in doing anything difficult whether it's uh, you know fighting or athletics or computers or anything like that like there's a level of humility it does teach you it's just a question of some people take that lesson and some people go in the opposite direction with it
0: do you do you need fighting have you needed fighting uh,
2: i have i have needed fighting for fighting has been my outlet to keep me healthy and sane and focused and driven and and all these other things but i would be that with or without fighting fighting is what would turn my life around and save my life and but at this stage like i could stop fighting today and i'm still going to be this person and it's just a an outlet that i use to to for all these other reasons it's a form of expression but but it's not my only form of expression it's it's what i love to do and it's my passion uh, and that's what keeps me so driven and involved in the sport because i i, I love to do it i love it
0: you seem and you seem to, you seem to be artistic you seem to like as if you have i mean fighting is an art form it is a form of expression yeah. but you seem to have other artistic skills. Is that is that true? And if so, what what else d- d- comes naturally to you artistically?
2: Yeah, I've, uh, I've been a artist since as far as I as long as I can remember, um, more of a visual artist, cartoons, drawings, paintings, that kind of thing. I actually went to school for computer animation. I have my degree in computer animation. Um, but I was like two years into my degree when I started training um, so that was, that was a really difficult decision to make was, do I just stop doing it because I found my calling in life or for me, it was this, you, you started this thing, you need to finish it. And no matter what, you know, that you did that, even if you never use it. So I finished my degree. Um, and I still do, I mean, I'm, a, I do, I do a lot of artwork, a lot of commission pieces. Most of the time, my fighting and training. Takes too much of my time and energy away from it, but I always stay active in um, all forms of, of art that I do because I, I don't ever lose those skills. You know, I I, I stay very active in, in my um, uh, in all of my arts that I do, whether it's writing or or visual arts or things like that.
0: Kevin, your your code, what if you had to, if you were writing a book or an essay about your code? your particular code, what would you say that code is and what shaped that code?
2: Well I'd say my life shaped my code. Um, you know I one thing I've always I've always been very drawn to the the Bushido code and not that it's something that I think about, but whenever I see it written out, I'm like yeah the, those are all of the things I, I really try to strive for and 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 and, and be and, and emit into the world is just you know whatever you're going to do put all put your time energy and focus into it and make sure that you're doing it in order to um better better yourself better the people around you better the world putting putting good into the world and Trying to instill those things in other people, especially especially now more than ever, in a world that's filled with so much hate and divisiveness and trying to uh, put us against each other when we really need to just come together and, and realize that we're much more alike than we are different.
0: In, in Muay Thai is very unique. I mean, you know, I've got a wrestling background, I've got a jujitsu background. You know, I've I've done some boxing, I've done some Muay Thai, I haven't fought. But Muay Thai is, you know, it it, it has a level of vision. I mean, wrestling is hard, jiu-jitsu, none of these sports, judo, everything at the high level is really hard. I mean, right? These are combat yeah. sports. Athletes. But Muay Thai is you know, kind of unique, even above MMA in that, you know, with the elbows, you know, I mean, MMA has elbows, but it doesn't have as many elbows, right? I mean, you don't see elbows as much as vicious as frequently as you do yeah. in in Muay Thai and even the kicks. I mean, you know, just the kicks constantly chopping people down with with the kicks. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, in UFC, it's a some some of the time thing. In Muay Thai, it's a most of the time thing, right? It, it is just, it is yeah. very... It can be very brutal. It can be very vicious. Why that? You had you had you could have picked. You could have picked other combat sports. You did do one MMA fight. Why was it that Muay Thai in particular appealed to you, and you decided to bet on that combat sports art form versus others? What does that say about you that you
2: picked? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was. Um... You know, I don't feel like like there's a lot like a lot of things in life. I don't feel like we pick them. I feel more like they 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 pick us like why? Why are you attracted to certain things? Why do you like certain things? You can you can put it into words to a degree, but that doesn't really get to the core of what it is. There's something about it that just speaks to who you are, speaks to your soul. And uh, there was just something about Muay Thai. I mean, I always loved I love boxing. I love. I do love MMA, I love all sports of competition and, and, and fighting, but something about the purity and the violence and the authenticity and the history and culture of Muay Thai just spoke to me, even if, you know, the first time I saw it, I didn't. I didn't know all those things. I just, there was something about it that I knew, like this is it. This is everything that I've been looking for and searching for, I don't know what it is, I don't know what the story is with it. I just knew right away, this is what, this is everything.
0: You're one of those fighters. There are certain fighters, you know, I've heard it said before, nobody likes getting punched in the face. Even even though there are elite fighters, there are fighters with huge hearts that nobody enjoys getting punched in the face. I've heard that said, right? I've heard a number of fighters say that. And, and yet there are a special class of fighters that, when there's blood, when when it's really it really gets thick, when both fighters are getting tired, when you know when your back's against the wall, there do seem to be a special class of fighters that seem to enjoy a bloody fight, <laughs> a brutal fight, a a, yeah. a you know, pushing me to the max fight. Some fighters seem to enjoy that and relish that. I got that sense of you. I got the sense that if you were cut and bleeding badly, that there's some part of you that's like, "Yeah, this, this is where it's at. this is what I came for. This is aliveness. Tell me about being in the thick of some of these fights, bleeding, heart rates up, tired. Where does your mind or your spirit go? What are you what are you feeling out there?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I think I think a lot of people have kind of a mis skewed perspective of of me because you see me bleeding and cutting and smiling as if I'm enjoying being bleeding and cutting and and, and being in pain. It's not that I enjoy it. I think for myself it's just a matter of acceptance. I I, I accept pain, I accept hardship, I accept difficulty because I know it comes with the territory. It's like preparing for a fight. If you're gonna shy away when things get difficult, which a lot of people do, and that they push themselves, but only to a certain level of comfort. And and once once that things start getting a little difficult, they might not give up, but they hold back a little bit. And for myself, I've always viewed those things as 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 a question are you going to are you going to slow down or are you going to speed up are you going to keep going is this going to make you quit or is it going to make you drive you even further and so when the, you know when i get cut and i'm smiling i'm like i'm like you think this is going to make me quit because it's not like all this does is motivate me even more same thing with with injuries and stuff like that i always view those as a as a challenge like are you going to give up are you gonna face this and, and go through what you have to go through in order to get past it? So it's not to say I enjoy them. I don't enjoy being injured. I don't enjoy being hurt. I don't enjoy, um, I feel like I want things to be difficult. I just know that the, the difficulty is a test and you are either gonna use it to better yourself or, or let it make you quit. And, and so for me, when things are difficult, I know that I'm never going to quit. So I, I view it as a challenge, especially like in a fighting situation. Like I will never, ever, ever, ever give up. So this is nothing to me. And I makes me smile and almost laugh at the fact that you think this is going to make me stop. Like, it's just my face. <laughs> it's just it's just blood. It's just cuts. It's just injuries. Like, so what? I'm still alive. I'm still as long as I'm breathing, I'm coming after you. I'm just gonna keep going forward. I'm gonna keep moving no matter what.
0: That that mindset, there are athletes, there are, there are athletes out there, you know, some of them use sports psychologists, some of them are reading books. How much of this mindset is just stuff you figured out in in your own meditations? in your own looking deep in yourself, how much of this, I think I know the answer, by the way, but how much is this between training in Thailand, having a coach, and then my own inner conversations, meditations, I just kind of, this is just kind of what I said. This is what's up. This is what it is. How, how yeah. much of that is you read a book, you met with a sports psychologist, and how much of that is just Kevin Ross, just between you, your coaches, going to Thailand, wherever the fights, you just kind of figured it out.
2: I mean, it's really just, it's just me. It's just the way that I am. You know, I'm not, I, of course, there's been people that have helped give me guidance and direction. Um, but all those things at their core is just, that's just the way I am. You know, it's its a matter of, um, I, I think, again, like a lot of things, I had to learn to accept and face them early on. Like you're starting late, you all these all these questions. Like, are you going to let these other things hold? You let so much hold you back your whole life. You think like being injured is going to hold you back now? When when you, I, I felt like I wasted half my life, and now everything else is to make up for that. So a lot of those things were instilled in me just through the process of, of turning my life around, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those questions that people might never ask themselves. Like I had to kind of confront and face them and accept them and know the answer to them day one, you know, and everything since that point has only further instilled them in me.
0: In, in terms of, you know, I I remember I once, I told a story and I think it's out there somewhere on the internet. Nobody ever watches it. But it was basically the worst beating of my life. I describe a day I got jumped. I was 25. I was in Baltimore, and uh, it was the silliest, stupidest, most cliche-ish jumping ever. A guy grabbed a girl's butt. I saw it. I objected. It was, it was like it was like a, you know a, the biggest cliche ever for a guy who gets jumped. Right? Trying to do the right thing. Anyway, I got my. Head, I, that was I didn't walk for two weeks after that. I, I was a journalist too. I mean, I had trouble. I felt like a truck hit me. I had a, like a, I had a the, the footprint on my head. So like one of the guys that stopped me, you know how like there's the there's the lines to the footprint. Like I had that footprint on my head. I had black eyes. Anyway, I learned a lot about myself after that that beating. And and I learned, you know, that, 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 that nobody's going to stop me being who I want to be and what I'm going to do. And it just that was one of that was one of my big takeaways from it's like, dude, i'm good i i didn't lose my confidence like i didn't i didn't i wasn't like oh i'm gonna be squeamish or whatever walk around afraid it was like i'm just still gonna do what the hell i what i do i'm gonna try to do it the best i do and then the chips will fall where they may so that that was a big takeaway for me tell us yeah. about maybe the worst beating of your life to, to walk us through you know the the, the kind what, what what you experienced that day how you felt the day later a week later just to give people an idea of what a fighter goes through is, you know, someone who's had what almost 60 pro fights, whatever. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Give us an idea of a rough day at the office, the kind of beating, what's it feel like that next morning, getting out of bed, what's it feel like a week later? Tell, tell us about that.
2: Well, just from a psychological standpoint, you know, I, I had to kind of confront again, like I said, I had to confront so many of those things from the beginning, you know. And, and then I, when I finally started, I was like skyrocketing, in, in my talent, my technique, and everything was going all in the right direction. And then I had my first fight and got demolished, you know, guy weighed me by thirty pounds, and all these other reasons that doesn't have anything to do with it. But I just got crushed and, and destroyed, and I had to f- confront that. My very first fight was. Getting the shit kicked out of me, getting stopped, not even making it to the end. And now you're left to question, maybe this isn't for me. You know, like maybe, maybe I'm not meant for this. You know, like that's what's gonna happen to me if I do this again. And the 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 question I had to answer was, do you want to do this anyway? Like if that is gonna happen every time, which it's possible, do you wanna do it anyway? The answer is yes, because I love to do this, and I might not ever be the greatest fighter in the world, but I'm never gonna know how good I can be if I give up. And so being forced to confront and answer those questions the first day made made so much more, not necessarily easier, but but to put it into those contexts of you're either going to do it or you're not. There's no debate. It's either go forward and keep going, even if it's difficult, or give up and do something else. When it came to losses and beatings and injuries, that was kind of always at the forefront when those things would happen is here's the situation is it going to make you quit or are you going to use it to better yourself even if you never get in the ring again you can still you know like an injury like when i blew my knee out there's no guarantees i'm ever going to walk again let alone get in the ring again that was that was a really difficult time i had to go through um especially that first week or two after surgery when i'm laying in bed rolling around in agony because i can't even think let alone let alone move because i, I was in so much pain and, and and wondering if i'm ever gonna function again if i'm ever gonna be able to walk again if i'm ever gonna be able to run again punch again i don't, let alone fight or fight at a high level again i'm at the beginning stages of that question and 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 i saw why so many people only get good get better to a certain degree like just enough to function again but that's as much as they do and because it's there's no guarantee you're gonna make it there's no guarantee you're gonna make it and and i made up my mind while i was laying in that bed like it doesn't matter how long it takes how painful or difficult it is i am not gonna give up and i'm gonna keep pushing myself to whatever extent I can. And that that kind of those questions are what go through your mind anytime that you have a loss, anytime you have a an injury, anytime you're having a bad week of training, bad month, maybe bad year. Especially like when it's consistent, you know, you keep losing. You keep you keep having setbacks. I always use um um shit, now I'm gonna forget his freaking name. Uh, Nong-O, oh, he's the uh, one champion uh, and Muay Thai stand-up champion. He, I once read a story, and he's one of the the greatest fighters ever, especially right now. And he, I think he lost like eight, maybe ten fights in a row. At one point, it was like two years. He was on this losing streak, mm-hmm. and I, and I think mm-hmm. about what would have happened if he gave up. What would happen if you quit back then? Because Everything in the world is telling you, this is not for you. You, know, you, you, don't, you need to be doing something different with your life. And all of us have those instances, whether it's losing, whether it's breakups, whether it's uh, going bankrupt, or, or you can put that in any context you want. The only thing that differentiates people is the ones that give up and the ones that keep going regardless, because bad things happen to everybody. That's not a, that's not a question it's it's what you're going to do with it so that's always been a continual learning lesson since the day i started was was you have a choice to make what you do with these setbacks what we do with these limitations these perceived or real limitations that that you may have what are you going to do with it it's not a it's not saying oh poor me i have this going on in my life i have this injury i have this loss i have this whatever we all everybody does all of us do so that doesn't make you special, but, but, but we feel like as long as I can highlight this reason why I don't do something, people will understand and, and say, well, that's understandable. Yeah, it, it is. It's understandable for everybody, but that's not what, what, what makes people achieve things in life and progress in life.
0: Yeah, the, um, yeah. Um, what I've, discovered over the years I've had some serious injuries I have a titanium plate in the neck I've had the, you know I've had the shoulder come out of the socket a bunch of times and and you know knee surgeries and, and, a, and a ton of injuries and it always amazed me at how resilient the human body is of course the, the spirit and the mind you know are sort of the captains or the commanders to me of that resilience that resilience starts yeah. with like what you're talking about that it starts with the spirit and then it translates and gets communicated to the cells, but it it's just amazing. And I think a lot of fighters illustrate it where, you know, you put 20 years of hard miles on your body or sometimes 30 years in these, in the fight sports. And it's amazing how, uh, how much the, how resilient the body is and how it can come back like from a serious injury. It's, it's remarkable. Even you with your face. I mean. If we were up close right now, we would see, I remember you fought the Japanese guy and you had that big scar and you were getting plastic surgery, you know, whatever you were, you were arranging to meet with a plastic surgeon. And it was, yeah. you know, just gnarly, gnarly gash from an elbow. And, and what's amazing is, I mean, I'm sure if we were up close, then we would see some of the scarage but from here, not getting up close, not doing like a UFC thing where it's black and white and we get up close and show those scars you know, your face looks pretty good for a guy who's been playing face Thank punch you. for 16 years, you know? Um
2: I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, I, I you know, I, I did spend, you know, most first half of my life doing the exact opposite, being very unhealthy, not taking care of myself, uh poisoning myself every day. And, you know, you'd think, fortunately, I was able to Turn my life around and start being much, more healthy and, and taking care of my uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally. But I'm also getting hit in the head every every single day. But uh, you know, there's part of that that that, that keeps me um, younger um, and alive. And but there's also damage that comes with it. But you know, I really I feel like so many more things are are much more damaging to to our to our inward inwardly and outwardly. You know, when you're you're working at a a job that's just sucking the life out of you every single day that's going to age you 10 times more than getting punched in the face is going to. You know, it's all a question of what you're willing to pay for. You know, I I feel that everything we do in life comes with a cost. You know, doing nothing in life comes with a cost just like doing everything in life comes with a cost. You want to lock yourself in a padded room, you might be safe for some things, but but you're also missing out on so much more or if you want to go out there and live, you got to risk living that there is no, there is no, you can't get both. You can't have it both ways. What you do, everything we do comes with a cost, um, you know, and comes with consequences, good and bad.
0: Now you were born in Pennsylvania. I'm a Maryland kid. Noah's a native Texan. Um, and he doesn't like when people mess with Texas so but um, i don't think anybody does <laughs> yeah he, he doesn't like that he's very he's he's very particular about that but but so you're a, Mer- a native pennsylvania guy you went to, to you know i think your family moved to vegas when you were a teenager but well, you've talked openly about you know depression and 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 just these these battles with whatever with fear with partying with with drinking with whatever and where do you think that that came from? Was, you know, was, that, was that part of growing up? What was it about your childhood that you think was heavy or weighing on you and, 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 um, and, and created sort of this, you know, I guess the things that you were, were always trying to heal? What, what was it about the childhood that, um, that, that made things hard for you or that maybe made you, you carry a little bit of a psychological burden or a lot of a psychological burden?
2: Yeah, um, you know, a lot, I think a lot, so much of that came from not having any stability. You know, when my parents split up rather young, I think I was eight, maybe. And from that point on, we went, I mean, we were, I I couldn't even count how many different schools I went to and houses we lived in. You know, when my parents were together, we had this, the picture perfect American dream life. parents are together happy healthy you know dad's making a lot of money and real estate and stuff living in a nice house um, nice school all these things and just the beginning of my life felt like like this is just the way that life is supposed to be and is and will be forever and then when they split up we went from that to live in um in my mom's friend's basement and basically a uh, one bedroom with five people and living and living on welfare and living off of handouts and help from from churches and organizations like that and you know just just having having no stability being ripped from one place to another anytime i would get settled in a in a community around people it's like ripped out again now we're in a new place new people starting all over and i think i think i was forced to confront and face the fragility of anything like what is the point in trying and building and growing and, and 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 doing anything because it's just going to be taken away people are just going to come in and rip it out so i think a lot of that was was extremely psychologically damaging to me and then made me lose any hope for the future or, or reason to to really live a reason to do anything like what i don't i never saw the point what is the point you know
0: So as you have psychologically rebuilt yourself as you've, you know, I mean, and there, and a lot of our times, our life arc is, you know, it's, it's different, even when we're getting better, even if we put our, our mind and our body and our brain and our spirit back together again, it's usually got a lot of dips and valleys and it's got some rock bottoms along the way. It's not, it's not a linear boom. It's not a skyrocketing ship, right? Like life happens. And even if, even if I get, Even if I climb that mountain psychologically, there's usually a lot of setbacks and defeats and whatever along the way. But as you've as you've rebuilt, as you've healed from whatever it was that was heavy, um, you know, what have been sort of the habits or things that, you know, when when you're operating on all cylinders, what are those things that you're doing that you're mindful of that you're aware of and like, hey this helps make me whole and it could be training but it could be other things it could yeah. be when you wake up it could be prayer it could be meditation it could be music what are the the habits that keep you feeling like man I'm, I'm on the path to being my best self. i'm on the path to healing
2: yeah i think i think being the more aware we can be about the things that are helpful and the things that are hurting us are is uh, the the better off we'll be if so many of those things are kind of uh um subconscious and automatic we're not paying attention to them but they're steadily weighing us down more and more making us more negative and angry and depressed and um you know i think through i think what fighting does T- what training does or, or or being focused on anything difficult is it it clears out all the noise of life and makes it makes it very apparent to what is helpful and what is hurting you you know what is a hindrance what is negative what is, and, and even if it's not a negative thing I know that it's not helping me on this path and in this journey you know I've, I, I try to use the analogy is this is this thing, whether it's a, a, a an action, whether it's a um, your your the way you're eating, what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're doing, is this helping you get closer toward that goal or farther away? Because it's doing one or the other. You know, very very few things aren't doing anything at all. So when you put it in, into that context, you know, I always tell people like when you're dieting, people like to use the well, it's not that bad uh, <laughs> approach of di- of dieting, Like, yeah, it's not that bad. But is it helping you? It might, you know, might not be hurting you that much. But is it helping you? And for me, what 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 training and fighting did was it made all those things very clear. Not there was no kind of middle road here. It's either helping you or it's hurting you. And once I started to kind of apply that to every other aspect of my life the people that I'm around, the conversations that I'm having, the things that I'm watching, things that I'm listening to, um, uh, the things that I'm thinking about. It it makes things a little easier, or little, uh, maybe not easier, but it makes them much clearer to you and puts them in a simpler context to where you can kind of navigate your life and, and separate things that, that aren't helpful to you.
0: You, you. You and Gina Carano have had, you know, you you guys were, you know, I don't know if you guys are still together. Are you guys still together, Kevin? Are you guys good? You guys have always been good friends. Are you guys still together? Yeah. Yeah. So Gina is in the news now. It just happens to be. I reached out to you before Gina was in the news. I wanted you. You're on the calendar. You're on the schedule. You're one of the people that I wanted because I know that you're a great interview. I know you've got a great story. I know that you're a great communicator as it happens in the in the two or two and a half weeks since i've been trying to get you on uh you know the 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 mandalorian now gina's in the news so i would be remiss if i didn't ask you about that that i mean and first of all let me say my opinion i i I just think that you know it, it as a journalist okay as a guy who who was a journalist in college at one at a school that has one of the best schools of journalism in the country for decades university of maryland um I, I just think it's disgusting and gross what's happening to freedom of speech now, uh, and and I think it's especially disgusting and gross that a lot of it is coming from j- people who call themselves journalists. I, I just I never thought yeah. I'd see the day when journalists would be part of the de facto we'll call it de facto censorship, right? De facto censorship, uh, and 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 just you know. The, not respecting a wide variety of ways. I want to live in an America, in the United States, where we can disagree about many things. We can intellectually spar, just like we may physically get in there and fight and then shake hands and hug and whatever. We should be able to intellectually mix it up, spar with each other, challenge each other, and then we should be able to go to lunch. We shouldn't be like, hey, I don't intellectually agree with you, so now I should try to ruin you get you fired and, you know, and no one should and no one should ever hear from you again, right? Like, so I yeah. find this very disturbing, my thoughts, you're there, you you and Gina have been close for many years, she's a sweetheart of a person, I've met her, I've talked to her, I've interviewed her, she's a sweetheart of a person. I guess, you know, what what's your take, like, to the extent you want to talk about it, what's your take on everything that, that's going on with this?
2: Well, you know, I'll just I'll just um, talk about it in the broader sense of what's kind of going on in the world, and, and you're you're exactly right. We've we're coming to a place, um, and we've been kind of going down this road for a long time. Just now, all these things are, are um, harder to ignore. Is that if somebody has an opinion that's different than yours, or or if you can put somebody's words or or actions in a certain context that automatically you're allowed to paint them with this brush whether it's whether it's racism whether it's uh uh transphobic whether it's hate speech whether it's you know anti-anti-american i mean you can put that across anything and i think it's a, a not a good place to be where we're allowed to say anyone that says anything that we don't agree with is automatically demonized and criminalized and and we're not having conversations anymore. We are we are we're yelling at each other, where we're we're basing everything off of headlines and hashtags and there's no conversation anymore. And as soon as somebody says that, everybody else assumes, well that must be the case because these people said that. And especially if it's a respected journalist or or something that's someone that's popular well this popular person said it so that it must mean it's true and people aren't looking into things anymore or even putting them into uh into context you know like like facts by themselves are really irrelevant if if there's no context between them so it's very easy these days to especially the sensitivity everybody has to say well this person is this way because they did this and that's that means this like we're, we're putting meaning onto things without any 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 um extra information any any more conversation and i it, it baffles my mind that people are okay with this but the problem is like you're okay with it as long as it's happening to other people and as long as it's not as long as it's happening to people that don't go along with what you believe but it's going to be a different story when it turns around and it will eventually turn around and that's kind of. I think that's happening more and more. And so part of me, you know, when these things happen, it's almost like you want it to happen more because eventually it's going to happen to everybody. And people are going to realize how idiotic this is and hypocritical it is. You know, like you think just because someone's arguing with someone on that side about something, you think they don't have a problem with you about something else. And we need to have these conversations. We need to have talks. We need to have debates. There are no... uh. uh singular issues where it's like this is right this is very few i would say issues where where it's it's a right and a wrong thing it's more like just like politics you know you have the left and the right where most people are kind of much more in the center but all you are ever shown is the extreme side of one and the extreme side of the other in the extreme side of anything is bad you know the extreme side of health is (laughs) is not healthy the extreme side of, of all things tend to be destructive, you know, and we need to have everything. We need to have conversations. We need to have everyone speaking, communicating, sharing ideas and knowing that it's okay to have a different perspective and a belief system and, and, and views on life that isn't, you don't get to say what this is right and this is wrong. It's okay to be different, but we're starting to come to a place in the world where that's becoming the case where you're able to paint everything with this right and wrong brush as opposed to having a conversation about it, It, especially when it doesn't come with any context. You know, it's just like, see, this is, this is this and that this is this. And it means this because I said, it means this and this person did this. That's because that's what this is. And people have attention span anymore. So yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. And then they tell all their friends and they'll tell all their friends. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, living in this world where it's like, yeah, we saw what this person did like, yeah, but you see all the other information that came with it. Well, no, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. It's uh, it's not a good place to be. I I don't want to live in a world where people can't have different opinions than me. I don't want to live in a world where everybody thinks the way I do or everybody uh, feels the way I do and has the same outlook that I do like, you want to live in a world of robots where everyone's the same, nope. we don't have any differences. Yeah. I sure as hell don't. I, I don't I don't really think most people do. It's just when someone is opposing their views you, you want that all of a sudden, but you got to see where that where that leads to in the long run, not 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 in the moment. Yeah, it's i
0: like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's a very it's a very dehumanizing trend that's happening, right? If you start stripping if you start creating this one size fits all, this kind of cookie cutter thing, right? I, I have a saying, one of my quotes is, let California be California and let Alabama be Alabama. I'm cool with both. Right. I don't, know, let California, <laughs> let Cal- don't try to fit California on Alabama, whatever, Alabama on California, I'm, I'm cool. Like I like that I can go to different states and there's different offerings and a different, different politics or different whatever. And the world, yeah. it's the world is gonna get to to your point, the world is gonna get so boring if we keep make trying to make everything vanilla or chocolate or strawberry ice cream, right? If we just keep trying to boom boom, hey, there's one right answer. There's one right answer for you. If you don't check my boxes, you're a bad person. Kevin, if you don't check my boxes, you are a bad person. I mean, it, there is sort of this growing trend where it it does, it's starting to feel like that, where if right. I know one or two or three, what I consider negative facts about you, you're officially a bad person. If you don't check my key boxes, you are officially a bad person. People should boycott you. People should, you should be fired from whatever. And this is, you know, the, and the other thing is freedom of speech is really a, a, key, a, a key measure of the of the quality of a democracy. You can just... If you just went in and dropped in into a, a country and you were just went in blind, one of the first places you would start to judge the quality of that democracy would be trying to measure the freedom of speech in that in that, in that society. And I, when I say freedom of speech, I, I, I also, because some people will say, well, freedom of speech, you have the right to say whatever you want, and you have the right get, to get fired and for everybody to boycott you. But I'm talking about a place where people handle these things better where there's respect, there's disagreements and then people go to lunch and then people go and work together, or people still do business together, people's kids still play together. That to yeah. me is true freedom of speech, not you can say whatever you want, but there's really, a, there's one, it, there's a one yeah. size fits all. This is the right answer. And unless you're buying into it, we're gonna, we'll try to ruin your business. We'll try to bury you on the internet. That is, you know, we don't normally know, you know this, we don't normally get political here but this is true this is what i'm thinking this is what i'm seeing this is um you know the irony here too is that gina is a sweetheart like she's not a controversial uh figure like she's a really nice person so that's the irony where you talk about being demonized like she's a sweetheart she's probably a lot nicer than a lot of people that work at disney She's probably a lot nicer person (laughs) if people met her and spent an hour or two hours or three hours with her. Um, She's a sweetheart of a person. So that's sort of the, that's the real irony of the whole thing to me. Yeah,
2: well that's kind of goes along with what I was saying with like, I think more and more it's gonna be that much more apparent that this is like, this is coming for everyone. If you keep allowing this to happen, just because it's certain, um, certain things you agree with and you're like, well, yeah, well, yeah, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, okay, but but we need to have, there needs to be more of a conversation here. Once you are trying to uh, um, demonize and censor certain people, that things, things get very, very ugly, very quick. And all you got to do is look at a little bit of history and you can understand how many times the same methodology has played out since since the beginning of time this isn't anything new we just act like it's new and the, the 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 thing that always happens is you rationalize it you say well if you do this you get fired you do this you get fired like, yeah you can put it into that context but let's talk about what the whole conversation is let's talk about where this is going this is becoming a, a like a the popular thing to do like oh Gang up on this person over here. Gang up on this person over here, and then you can say, "Well, yeah, but they shouldn't have done that." And they're like, "Well, now everyone isn't saying anything, and now everyone is—is is... it's not like people when you when you uh, um, criminalize certain things, it's not like people stop doing them or stop speaking or stop having these conversations. All you've done is put those things in the shadows. I want I want things to be out in the open so you I know what I'm dealing with. Like I want to know if. You are who you are, who I'm dealing with, not you're this censored version that can't express themselves because you're still that person. You're just not you're just not showing me who that is. And I don't see how that's a better thing.
1: Let me uh, speak up. because um, I'm not familiar with the, with the particulars of, of the controversy, uh, but anytime you stifle free speech, I consider it like when I was very young. I, I got a box of crayons and there were like eight colors in it. As I got older, I'm sure as you know, uh, you know, you get that box of 64 and they have all those shades in there. And it's amazing to see. And, you know, I would take the colors out, the crayons out, and I would look and see how they labeled it. And people's opinions and the thought processes have even more uh, diversity. And we should speak to, lend lend our ears to under and and our minds to understand one another because with seven billion of us on this planet and soon to be colonizing mars and going on you know thousands of years from now hopefully um we need to listen to one another and and understand what we mean when we say things and it takes time it takes time you know as you know i struggle with my own communication skills. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Frank uh, works with me on this podcast to let me speak. And, and we develop things um, to develop myself as a communicator and to put myself out there uh, in public uh, to do that. And I enjoy the opportunity to hear other people coming on and express themselves and to understand, uh, especially through the medium of, of the fight sports and martial arts. To deal with our inner struggles, um, yeah. but before we go, I know we, we're we're coming up to an hour here. I want to ask you. Um, I'm fascinated with the chatter that we have in our minds, in our heads. You know, our voice. Um, do you have any techniques that you use to um, to deal with the chatter in your mind? Do you use um, something I've come across lately is distant self talk. Where you don't speak of your speak to yourself in the first person, but in the third person, silently, not in public. No. Um,
0: <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I don't want to go I've been around. Been doing that for years. Who, who's taking credit for that? Who's taking credit? Well, <laughs> no, there's a book. I've Been uh, doing that for years. Who's taking credit for that now? Oh, that
1: I, I came across a book recently. Ethan Cross uh, has it. It's called Chatter. Uh, but um, let, let's set that aside. Uh, do you have any of those kind of techniques, or have you heard about anything? Are you using any of that with you in your work? Uh,
2: um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I, I would say that that for myself, it's it's more about um, as we kind of talked about earlier is is remaining focused on the things that are. Um, helpful and in taking care of my mental physical and emotional health and when those things are taken care of that gives me a better kind of baseline because it's like if those aren't taken care of I don't even know where I am you know it's it's like it's like how we jump so quickly to uh, uh, surgery and medication when we don't want to first look at our, our diet our our, our um, what we're intaking um, our environment the people around we, we want to skip over all that. We want to like start chopping at the end, mm. which is tends to be more detrimental. And then you're just on that road forever. Like start at the beginning, you know, start at the things you ha- kind of have control over. And once you start doing that, those other things become much more clear. Now it's like, yeah, this is definitely a problem. I need to take care of that. Where before it was like, there's all these things that are a problem, but that might not even be real problems at all. Once you kind of, um, narrow it down and, and and find ways to clear out the static and the noise. And as I said, for me, making sure I'm training every day and being physically active really, really helps get all that away. Cause like, like the end of not last year, but the year before um, I was coming off a loss and I was trying to decide if I wanted to keep doing this anymore. And, you know, I, I forced myself to take a break and, you know, which was needed, but, but also by not, By not being active and physical it was just like i was being buried by all this extra stuff that i was allowing just myself to absorb um and not even not even consciously and then i started recognizing it one day i was like all right well we don't even think about that you just need to start moving again and get physically active and don't even think about fighting just just go for a walk and then every day like the noise started to go away I'm like all right now now i can see the problem more clearly and what what's important what isn't and um so for myself it's just about being um taking care of those kinds of things you know being 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 physical uh, again even if that's just walking going for a walk with the dog or or making sure i'm not eating garbage and uh, you know make sure i'm not walking or listening to garbage and, and that kind of stuff and once those are taken care of um it, it makes, it simplifies everything. And then from there you can start chipping
1: away at the problems. Makes total sense. Yeah. yeah
0: in terms of nutrition, Kevin, give us an idea. I'm not, you know, I, I work, uh, I do some nutrition with clients, but I, I'm still, I think people watching would be interested um, in, you know, in what you eat and how you, you know, when, when you're, when you're on top of it, what what are you looking to put in your body to make your body, uh, you know, to, to help you perform? Um,
2: <laughs> you know, like a lot of things, we we make it a much more complex than we think it's sh- than than it is. You know, it's it's being healthy and eating healthy is, is pretty pretty relatively simple. Um, we complicate it with all these numbers and and diets and things like that that might help temporarily, but if you're eating real food and cooking real food and not filling yourself with chemicals and and poison all the time that that alone is going to make you healthier um and then and then being physically and active and all that stuff but you know i don't um over the years i've found things what what's helpful to me and what's not and 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 um, like, like I, I stay away from dairy and that's, that's more of a personal preference. Like, I don't, I don't try to say like, you need to, people should do this. It's just what works for me and what doesn't I stay away from dairy. I stay away from pretty much all carbs other than, you know, like, like sweet potato. I mean, everything has carbs in it technically, but, uh, um, as far as like breads and things like, like anything that's in a package, I, I don't need it. You know, everything <laughs> I say, if it's got a label, it's probably not that great for you. So the more I, the more you can stay away from labels, the better off you're going to be. So I, 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 I very simple uh, uh, um, um, meats, veggies, fruits, and and very very little grains or anything like that. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty simple.
0: Two more questions. No sugar. No sugar. <laughs> is no sugar. fighting spiritual, and if so, in what ways is fighting spiritual for you on fight night?
2: For, you for go me, fight, yeah, it's, fighting it, for me, it's it, it's extremely it's extremely spiritual. And I would say the the closer I get to a fight, the harder the training is, the more connected I am with the. Realm that's not physical. You know, whether you want to whatever label you want to put on that, uh, that's the closest I feel to to I guess I guess reality. What what is real? You know what what, what we all are um, at our core. I think I think this world is filled with distractions and 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 noise and and things that just hinder our vision and hinder our feelings and our perception of of of, of reality we have this fake fake reality world and for me that 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 makes things very very clear and I'm very connected to who I am and, and who what this world is
0: now I had mentioned earlier about the resilience of the body of the mind of the spirit they're, you know, they're doing, there's a lot of research now on fighters' brains. I have my own thoughts, which I'm not going to get into at this point. But I think there's a lot more to the equation of when fighters or football players do have damage. I don't think it's just a, as clean cut of a case as some are presenting. Because let's take yeah. a look at like a guy like Kevin Ross. I mean, you're you're knocking on the door 40 You've been doing this for almost 17 years. You're in the face punch business. You're in the hurt business. And you are articulating things better than, you know, probably 98, 99% of people. You know, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of philosophical depth in what you're saying. Your brain is clearly working fine, even though almost probably 90 some percent of parents would have told you, don't do that. I failed. If my kid goes into the face punch business, I have officially failed. Top 10 signs you failed as a parent. You know, number you know number yeah. five, your kid goes into the face punch business, right? And yet your brain right now is working damn well, very lucid, very clear. Mm-hmm. What When you think of that consideration, because you know what you signed up for. You signed up for it. You yeah. gave us the reasons for your why. You signed up for it. Tell me about your relationship of that as a consideration of your brain in the next 20 years, 30 years. And how did you make peace with that? What has worked for you? And do you think yeah. that in fact, our brains, there are things we can do to protect our brains. There's things you can do to keep your, your brain sharp, even though yeah. you've been punched in the face for years. Just give us an insight, a window into that.
2: Yeah, I think um, being aware of it, clearly is one of the most important things, being aware of the the damage and the risk that you are taking in, in anything that you do and trying to, uh, trying to limit it and be as healthy as possible with all the other things you do have control over. So like a lot of fighters and myself included, particularly in the beginning, it's you're super strict on your diet and your training and your health, and then you have this fight and then you go in the complete opposite direction and kill yourself with with junk food and trash and, and all this stuff. And you're, you're adding so much more damage onto the damage you're already taking. Um, So kind of cleaning that up much more and being, being aware of those things has really helped. And, you know, I think um, like anything else, our brain, our body, it's like, if you recognize the, the, the stress and the trauma that you're putting in, and you also need to take that much better care of it, you know, our brains are a muscle, you know, if you're not using that muscle, it's going to deteriorate quickly and rapidly. And this has been shown time and time again, when when people lose their, their, um, uh, like their, their will to live or, 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 or the when you stop kind of using that um, tool, you, you're gonna, you're gonna lose it. So so for myself, I, I just try to be uh, active. You know i try to always be active with my brain i'm not just like laying around all day i'm 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 reading books i'm i'm um i'm I'm doing things that keep my brain working and moving you know it's kind of like how they've shown you know uh uh, they've been able to uh, help with dementia and things like that with, with with a lot of stuff um just by being aware of what it is um the damage that it's causing—it's just like you know when you're working out, you also need to get a lot of body work done and a lot of massage therapy and chiropractic work. All of these things are going to keep you in tune and healthy. Um, but if you're doing it uh, blindly and, and ignorantly and dangerously, it's gonna—it's gonna have a really bad effect. But it's—it's it's so easy to put something like fighting or uh, sports in this in this category of. Like danger, and 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 we got to keep our kids away from that because we got to keep them healthy and safe. Yet you'll go stick them in something else that's some that's so much more detrimental to them in the long run. It's I think it's about being more um, um, open and honest and transparent with with what you're what you're facing um, and trying to make it as safe as possible. You know, over the years and with experience, you know, I've I've gone away from just um, bashing each other's brains in all day just for fun and, and, and trying to train smarter and healthier um, as opposed to just, just doing the work. But so in the beginning, you kind of, you just got to, you do have to do the work. So that comes with uh, experience and, um, and age. But I, I think a lot of things do like that. The more aware you can be, the, the, the safer you can be, the smarter you can be, the longer you're, you're the more longevity you're going to have in, in anything, whether it's a, a sport or, or just life in general, take better care of yourself.
0: Yeah. When I see you, Kevin, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, when I see you, I, I do, we talked about this early just to bring everything full circle. You really do. Part of your essence to me is this person that And I, and I count myself in there too, in this category, you're living on borrowed time. Like you think of the, you know, it could have been over for you years ago with certain things that happened, certain ways you were living and you really are sort of one of the poster boys for like fighting, saving you, or just giving you a why, giving you a reason, giving you the motivation. Um, you, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see you. You're, you're one of those people. You're one of those people that this, the, the sport that you fell in love with, or I guess, as you said, the sport that found you, it's not, it's not that we find it to quote you. It, yeah. you, it find you know, it finds us cause it's who you are. It's your Dharma. It's your essence. You really, you, yeah. it really resonates with me that you're, you're, you know, that you're so grateful to be living, to still be here, to still be experiencing whatever good, bad, ugly, painful, whatever, the whole smorgasbord, like Noel was saying with the crowns, you're just, you're here to take yeah. it all in, and um, yeah. and and you're a fascinating guy, man. You really are very fascinating and a I great communicator.
2: Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it, want- man. And I, I I work on that. <laughs> I'm trying to be good at it.
0: Yeah. Well, are we gonna but are we gonna see you anywhere? Because you're a guy. You belong on camera too. You're very. I mean, are we are we gonna see you doing acting roles? Are you are doing TV because co- we had to push up? Reason we had to push this up is I think some TV commentating. What are you? You got You got a good brain on you. You got, you're very perceptive. You're very aware. What are you going to be doing in the future? What are the future it. projects?
2: Um, well, I am still fighting, so I still got that going on, but uh, I've been doing a little more commentating and commentary. Um, I might be doing uh, commentary on the triumphant card next month, as long as I'm not fighting somewhere at the same time. So I don't know, you know, I think I just take things as they come and I'm, I'm always open to ideas and projects and just like with the acting thing, it's like, you know, it's not something I ever want to do. But if there was something specific that I was passionate about, for certain, I would I would do that. So I just I try to keep a open mind and keep going uh, could down the path. In and that
0: movie that she's working on with Ben.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe. You, you never know, you know, I think uh, that's kind of
0: she could, she could the, uh, uh, the theme movie. of life is yeah.
2: you, you just never know what's going to happen.
0: Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for squeezing us in. I so appreciate it. Always a great interview. Noah Green, thank you so much. And Kevin, uh, you're always welcome on here. We'd love to have you back when we have a bigger following. We get better presentation. We'd love to have you on again. You're, you're. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Just, uh, I'd love you to. know, your story's great. Really, thank appreciate you. It. Thank
1: you, guys. You guys I appreciate have a great it. Sunday. All right, you too. Later,
0: brother. Thank you so right. much. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye, guys. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast, or at EverymanBJJ.com.